In today's show, I'm here to talk about all of the news, the biggest victory in NBA history, the rest of Thursday's action, and I request elaboration on Armani Brooks in Houston, and also to hear from Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. This episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify the apps or the subscriptions that you don't want to keep paying anymore, the ones you might have forgotten about. I know I've mucked up that reaper. I don't care. It might even help negotiate, help you negotiate better on the ones that you want to keep. Truebill, they're the guys. We'll talk about them a little bit later on. Um, thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. So we got news to talk about. So let's crack in right now. Brooke Lopez, back surgery. Never a great thing you want to hear. Obviously, Brooke Lopez is a drop. He's been a drop for a while. If you hadn't pulled the trigger yet, you absolutely have to pull the trigger. Um, this helps prolong Bobby Portis's value. Look, I don't think Lopez is playing until after the trade deadline. It's back surgery. He's missed six weeks already almost seven, without the surgery. He's going to miss two months minimum, probably four months would be my guess. Maybe, who knows? Maybe it's in the middle. They haven't told us specifically, but yeah, it's a long time. So Bobby Portis is going to get his value prolonged. Deeper leagues, you can look at Boogie Cousins, 16, maybe into 14-team leagues. So just pay attention to that. Also helps Paddy Connaughton. While Zion Williamson has had a setback in his recovery, I wouldn't expect Zion back now until Christmas or later. Um, yeah, he was doing some work and there was pain in his foot. And yeah, we think we talked about this yesterday, that broken foots is such a big time frame. Like TJ Warren's going to be out for over a year. Mitchell Robinson was out for eight months and Zion was going to get back in four months or five months. And now look, who knows how long it's going to last. There are some people skeptical that Zion will play at all this year. And it is getting to feel a little bit that way. I still think he is going to play. If you don't have IR, it is really tough to hold, given we just don't know where we are. And by the time he comes back, it's going to be like week 12. And how do you keep burning a a roster spot for that long? You probably can't. Depending on where you are in the standings, you've got to really weigh that up. But in some good news, LeBron James is back. Fucking goat outside. It's just a goat. No, it's a fucking goat. LeBron is back from his COVID diagnosis. Looked like it was a false positive. He returned, I think, eight Negative tests, so he's ready to play on Friday. So that means that if you did you know, pick up a Talon Horton Tucker or maybe try to Malik Monk, then you can probably drop those guys. Monk, maybe you can stream in um, in, in the situation. But of course, with LeBron back, it does reduce the usage that, that everybody gets uh, on that team because, of course, it's LeBron James. That's what you expect. The Lakers also had another change to what they were what, what they are going to do, and they're not going to be playing Howard and Jordan in the same game anymore. Dwight Howard is going to start Friday. That means Jordan is not going to play. Uh, surely you weren't rostering DeAndre Jordan anyway. I don't think this makes Dwight Howard a must-roster guy. He did play 35 minutes last game, but I think that was in large part due to the fact that LeBron was out. He was also playing pretty well, but he's not going to get 39. It's probably going to be 20, 24, maybe max for Dwight. Maybe it's only 20 per game. So I wouldn't be getting overly hyped. Deeper leagues, there is going to be some value there. He's a good rebounder, good field goal percentage player. 
and actually a guy that can help the Lakers win as opposed to whatever DeAndre Jordan was doing. Uh, Christian Wood, the crucifix, looks like he's fine. He's escaped injury. So us debating whether it was going to be Tice or Shingun, don't need to worry about that. You can drop Shingun. Well, KPJ, Kevin Porter Jr., cousin Kev, it does look like he is going to miss some time with this um, thigh injury. We don't have anything specific on that at this stage as to how long he's going to miss, but this is the third time that he has um, had this thigh problem cause him to miss games this season. So you would think there's going to be a little bit of a prolonged absence, and that's going to push Armani Brooks, a guy that we're um, going to talk about in our request elaboration today, into a larger role. And Jimmy Butler's out for the next two games, so you've got your Caleb Martin and Max Struess and Gabe Vincent as stream options, and Timothy John McConnelly's out for a while with his wrist problem in Indiana. With Justin Holiday also out, you're looking at Duarte pushing up into a larger role. Deeper League's looking at Keelan Martin and Brad Wanamaker in that situation. I request elaboration. It is time for us to look at Armani Brooks. He is most likely, I would think, going to start in place of Kevin Porter if Porter does happen to miss, which is the expectation. Porter's officially questionable, but I think he's going to miss. And Brooks is a guy that is garnering a little bit of attention. Why is that, you ask? Well, over the last two weeks, he's the 126th ranked player. He's 185th in points leagues. He's averaging just 10.7 points, but three threes per game. 1.2 steals in 20 minutes. So there's two things that really stand out there. And they're not the one assist or two rebounds. The three threes and the 1.2 steals. The shooting numbers have been insane. 47 from the field, 46 from three, and 80% from the line. But if you dive a little bit deeper into what he's done, I think we can find some things which make him a relatively interesting player and maybe, maybe like a 12 to 14 team streamer with Porter out. He's third on this team in Raptor. He's seventh in wins above replacement using Raptor, which is a cumulative cumulative metric, and he's barely played any minutes, so that's impressive. He's second on this team in on-off as a plus 24.5. That's 99th percentile in the NBA. The only guy higher there is his teammate and probably starting backcourt mate, Garrison Matthews, who's a plus 28.2. That is gigantic. It's only 159 minutes, but it is a gigantic, gigantic value. And he's in the 65th percentile in EPM. He's a plus 0.2. Not that that's fantastic, but it's pretty good for a guy that plenty of uh, NBA fans would not know who it is. Plenty would would not have heard of him. So he is doing some interesting things. He's yeah, it, Darko doesn't love him as much. 345th there, but 164th in DPM Delta. So a bit of an improvement in what he's been um, what he's been doing this season. I'm more interested in what his shot diet looks like because it is really really intriguing. He does not take any mid-range shots. He is in the zeroth, zeroth, zerent, zerest, zero. That's where he is. Absolute bottom percentile. 5% of his shots are mid-ranges. 89% of his shots are coming from three. And 6% of his shots are coming at the rim. So basically, he's doing one thing. And that's taking threes, and he's doing it well. Last year, he was also in the 100th percentile for his three-point shot shot attempts, and he was in the first percentile for his mid-range attempts. This is what he does. He is the epitome of like a modern basketball analytics shot profile. I'm just going to bomb threes, and that is it. And the fact that he hits them at the rate that he does is why he is deriving fantasy value, because he is hitting threes at this gigantic level. And, and it's and it's useful. Like it's contributing to his very very impressive um, advanced numbers. He's helping the team win by being a good shooter and taking correct shots. It's been good. 
And yeah, if you could say that Kevin Porter's going to miss a couple of games, Jalen Green's already out, and he's going to play 30 minutes a night, in two games, you might get eight threes made for him. That, you know, that, what's that? Eight, that's 24 points right there. Yeah, maybe he averages 15 a game for two games with four threes per game. Not much else, two rebounds, but he's also got a really high steal rate. There's enough to at least be a short-term stream option. There's probably other better stream options out there in 12-team leagues. But if we do get confirmation that, um, that Porter is out, then Brooks does really rocket up the value in terms of his 12-team league appeal. Now, I don't think it's going to be anything long-term. I don't think he's even going to be a long-term NBA rotation player throughout his career. But the fact that he's taking these threes, he's hitting these threes, and he is contributing to some winning basketball, which is awesome for a team that struggles as badly as Houston does, there's something there to think that maybe he can be some sort of rotation player. And if he plays like this, it's going to hamper the impact of someone like a Josh Christopher getting rotation minutes later on in the season. So that is that is worth mentioning. And he is going to be a very interesting guy to watch over the next two games. But I don't think there's any long-term, long-standing value in Brooks as anything more than like a 30-team option who may not even remain in the rotation long-term. But you know, you've got your streaming devices. How many of those are actually in your rotation? That's the question you need to ask because over COVID, we signed up to so many different things, so many different devices. But did you remember to cancel them? Are you back in the office now? Are you back at school and you don't need them anymore? Well, Truebill is going to help you sort out all of your subscriptions. It is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, that you don't want, or that you've simply forgotten about. And on average, people save up to 720 bucks a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill is here to help make it easy. Just their true bill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions. So you don't have to. Truebill has a, has a eh, I can't speak. Truebill has over two million users and helped save them over one hundred million dollars. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash locked on NBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash locked on NBA. It's time for Watfo. Thanks to John Patrick Ong. And John Patrick Ong is always in the YouTube stream. So, yeah, appreciate you dropping a Watfo. He says, what are the odds that Scotland Barnes is the number one fantasy rookie? You didn't specify the type of league, so I'm going to do it for you. As always, category leagues, using my rankings on a per-game basis. There is a 2% chance in my mind. He is like 74th this year. Evan Mobley is 44th. Cade Cunningham. Like, Barnes has been great. And you're going to hear me talk about him at length on the award show, which is coming out in about six or seven hours' time after this show is released. But him getting ahead of Mobley and then also staving off Cade Cunningham, I think he's going to be relatively tough. I'm giving it 2% that he is the best fantasy rookie on a per-game basis in category leagues this season. He's he's picked it up lately. He's hitting three balls now as well, Scotland. We'll talk about that soon. But I do not think that he's going to be able to be the number one fantasy rookie this season. Let's look at the top ads across fantasy leagues in the last 24 hours. And look at that number. We haven't seen that one before. The Undertaker, Dwayne Dedman's up 71%. Sheesh. I think you've got to add him and just see where it goes. Just there, there is a chance that that game on Wednesday is going to be high watermark for him. Anthony Simon's up 36%. Let's hope that this ankle injury is not particularly serious. We'll talk about that later on. Emmanuel quickly up 29%. I agree with that. He's a 12-team ad. Rose up 24 Yep, he's a 12-team ad. While Cam Johnson up 23 and Otto Porter up 23 A little bit more iffy on those guys, especially Porter. But Johnson's got an increased role with Booker out. 
Crowder up 19%, and honestly, unless you want a bloke that's going to do this for you. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. He's just a streamer. The wild thing, Jay Sean Tate up 14% because he was, wasn't rostered everywhere. Um, yeah, obviously he needed to be added after that game. But again, that is absolute high watermark from him on Wednesday. And then Garrison Matthews up 13%. And with Jalen Green out, Matthews is providing some short-term value. For the top drops, Kemba Walker is down 14%. Hello. Um, yep, rightfully so. Kyrie Irving down 14 because the report out today from Shams saying that it doesn't look like you know, Irving's not getting vaccinated. The mandate in New York City is not changing. So the only way he's going to come back is if he's traded. If you do not have an injured reserve slot or Kyrie's not eligible for injured reserve slot, I think you've got to drop him. I don't think he's coming back at all. Um, I don't think there's any rush to trade him from the Nets. They're playing well enough as is. Uh, it's it's hard to do for a bloke that's that good, I, but I do think you got to drop him. Billy Hernan Gomez was um, dropped in twelve percent of leagues. I don't think he should have been added. Larry Nance down eleven percent. Muxy Kleber down eleven. I'd like to hold Kleber one more game, but I, I get it. Hassan Whiteside, elite streamer, so if he's not playing, you drop him. And then Malik Beasley down nine percent. I think that is totally justifiable as well. Let's look at the first game of the day, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Toronto Raptors. Guys, you want some breaking news? Go follow me on Twitter. I told you that Giannis was going to be out before everyone else had it. Told you. I knew he, I knew he was out. Well, I didn't actually because I put Giannis out question mark because I did know he was out, but I didn't have it confirmed by multiple people. So I didn't want to just throw it out there as absolute guarantee. But he was out, of course, with a calf issue that was um, yeah, bothering him and he didn't play in this one. So they started Paddy Connaughton and Connaughton had the worst game of the season. Seven points in 31 minutes. Connaughton has, amazingly, been the 105th ranked player this year. I don't think there's any chance of this continuing for him, even though Lopez is going to be out long term. Connaughton just isn't this good. He's shooting like 46% from three or some insane number like that. And I just don't see Connaughton as that player. You can have him in 12-team leagues, but just be aware he is going to be droppable at some point, much like Grayson Allen's turned into a droppable player. Chris Middleton had 22-8, while Holiday had 26-6-8. Big games from both of those blokes. It was a bit of a poor game from Bobby Portis. And yeah, talking about Brook Lopez earlier, Portis had 15-11 on 27% shooting. I would use, and he had five fouls. I would use this game, the news of... Not the news of um, Brook Lopez, but what I would use this this uh, game, because people are panicking on Portis already, right? That Cousins was signed. So the fact that he played just 30 minutes in a game without Cousins and shot 27%, it weirdly, despite the Brook Lopez news, weirdly might be a buy low. It really depends who has him and how much they love frothing a big name like DeMarcus Cousins. I've had many people, I do I drop Portis and add Cousins? I have had that question multiple times. Right, so if I've had that question multiple times, that means there is someone out there in one of your leagues who has Bobby Portis who would be willing to give him away in a trade. This is the game where no cousins, low minutes, foul trouble, which may not always get noticed, and poor shooting, and people might panic on it. I would pay attention to that. Grayson Allen had 10 points in 32 minutes. Cool. While Sandro Mamakamashvili had 10, be 10 beads, no, 10 boards in 23 minutes with eight points. He'll just go back to doing nothing. Once Giannis and Boogie played, Boogie didn't play in this one. He was resting. Um, for the Raptors, Scotland Barnes, 39 minutes, only 13 points. Usage down, but three threes, seven rebounds, four assists, three steals, and a block. Just contributing right across the board. Field goal percentage up. He's hitting 40% of his threes over the last three games. He's taking more threes, which is impressive too, considering he just refused to take them earlier in the season. That's really good stuff there from Barnsley. I do think that he's going to have you know, really good value, but of course, there is no Ananobi. There is no Birch. And they will have an impact on him. They will have an impact to some degree. Usage-wise for Ananobi, maybe at one or two minutes for Birch. 
Yeah, he played 39 minutes here, uh, Barnes. And if you go from 39, which is awesome, to, it's like when I talk about someone being a 46% three-point shooter and then they shoot 42. and you go, oh, They're still great. Yeah, but it's a huge drop still. You go from 39 minutes and play 36, it is, it is an impactful change. And I think that Birch and Ananobi can, can have that impact on him. Freddie Van Vliet played 39. He had 29 points with five triples, while Siakam had 20 and eight. And this, guys, this is why I was skeptical on Gary Trent. Nice, Gary! He still had two steals, and that's great, but shot 19% for eight points. Now, to be, again, to be fair to him, getting the steals is great. Three assists and eight rebounds is very un-Gary Trent-like, but he is going to have these shit nights. He's going to have these poor shooting nights, and you just have to weather that storm. While the big sneeze pressures a chewer, 35 minutes, six points. He had one steal. He had two blocks. He shouldn't be sniffing anywhere near a 12-team league or even a 14-team league. He has started nearly all season, and he is the 251st-ranked player this year. He's not remotely close to being a 12-team league guy. And he is, I think, one of the worst rotation players in the entire NBA. I know there are plenty of people who would disagree with me on that. I disagree with them disagreeing, but that's fine. With um, Trenner back, Mahai Luke played 19 minutes, 7 points and 2 steals. Boucher, the, the numbers for him being rostered are dropping, so I don't need to keep telling you to get that garbage out of here, but get that garbage out of here. While Delano Banton had 2 points in his 14 minutes. The next game was crazy. The Bulls and the Knicks. Really, really crazy stuff. The Bulls got out to a huge, huge lead. The Knicks pegged them back. There was missed free throws at the end. There was DeMar DeRozan doing spinorama, bloody contested mid-range twos to take the lead. There was wild shit going on. In the end, the Bulls win at 119-115. Levine had 27-7-5. DeRozan, the insanity continues. 34-6 on 63% shooting, 91% from the line, did not attempt a single three. So shot 63% on mid-rangers, basically. He was unbelievable in this game. There is going to be a cool-off factor because you can't shoot that level, but he was great. And also, um, great stuff from this fella. It's Bosa. It's Big Bosa. Bosa's it. Bosa, bitch. Two big boys in a row from Vooch. 27 and 7, five threes, a block, usage up, efficiency up. Let's hope it sticks. I'm a little bit... Cautious about this level of efficiency, but great stuff there. While um, Alex Caruso, the old uh, the old rabbit hunter himself. Be very quiet. I'm hunting rabbits. Only had six points on 29%, but six rebounds, six assists, four steals, and he's just bloody good. He was a plus 21 in this game. At, for some reason, down the stretch of the game, they were playing Javante Green instead of him, which was insanity. Javante Green just stands around. Like, his team doesn't give him the ball. The other team doesn't look at him. He just sits out there and just takes up space, really. He had four points in 29 minutes, while Lonzo had eight, five, and six with three blocks. Rough shooting off of Lonzo. He missed so many wide-open corner threes that you thought at some point one of them had to drop. But to, unfortunately, they just really didn't at all, uh, given how many opportunities he had. He was two of 10 from three. It could have been a monster night from Lonzo, just how open he was. He just uh, couldn't get up to four. For the Knicks... Speaking of couldn't get them to fall, the double ra- the double Randall, the double royal Julius Randall. Thirty points, but no threes. Twelve rebounds, six assists, and two blocks. But missing key free throws late. He was forty percent from the line. He had fifty-two fantasy points, so that's great. But still remains outside the top forty on a per game basis this year, and still can't get everything to roll together. Taj Gibson was ejected very early. NBA refs have got to be the softest pricks in the world. You can't it just. Ejections for shit like that, it bothered me so much. Much like foul trouble bothers me. I'm going to talk about that later on. But just, Taj, for a start, don't yell at the ref. But refs, like, 
no one's there to see you or to see players get sent early. Like, no one's there to see that shit. Not that everyone's there to see Taj Gibson, but it is ludicrous. He was ejected after three minutes. So Robinson, who was in the locker room at that point, and Nerlens Noel was already out, Robinson had to come back, make a remarkable recovery, played a massive streak of minutes in the second half, ended with nine and eight with five blocks. That's great, the five blocks, but is he anything more than a block specialist? Not really. Alec Burke started started out poorly, but ended with 16 and seven, three assists, two steals, 43 minutes. He is a must roster player. Went to the line 10 times and hit nine of them. Must roster. Fournier, 16 points, four threes and four steals. All right. Fine as a 12-team back-end guy, while um, Emmanuel quickly played 38 minutes. He started for Rowan Barrett, had 15 points, three threes, three assists, and two steals. Shot poorly, didn't get to the line. I do think that quickly is a 12-team league guy, but I don't think he's anywhere near as high a priority as someone like Burks. You can add quickly. We'll see where it goes, and if you need to drop, you drop. Because he isn't a guy that's going to start generating big steals and huge assists all the time and big rebounds or, or get to the line tons, I don't think. But yeah, this is good enough, and the minutes make me want to roster him. Derek Rose had 16-2 and 6 in 26 minutes as well for your New York Knickerbockers in a weird, weird game that got pretty uh, chaotic towards the end. Your Christmas might be chaotic, especially if you're in there with your family arguing, arguing about what your favorite flavor of Built Bar is. We don't, just just be careful. Just keep that stuff to yourself because you don't want to be out there. Uh, imagine little Bobby comes in, right? And you go, little Bobby, mint brownie is the best pl- flavor. And little Bobby is going to sash you out and go, dad, what are you crazy? And... He might drop the F-bomb occasionally. It's all about cookies and cream. It's about the lemon cheesies. And I got a little Bobby. Built Bar has flavors for everybody. We don't have to fight about this. We just have to enjoy the absolute deliciousness and know, little Bobby, that it's not going to impact our waistline. And he's going to look at you confused and go, Dad, what's a waistline, man? Like, that's, that's his inner monologue. His inner monologue is like an, like an older gentleman, not, not the uh, usual voice because it was actually hurting my voice. Um, Built Bar gives you that extra fuel, whether it's smashing down doors to beat off other shoppers, giggity, to get the products that you want for your family or whether you're just sitting there enjoying a delicious and healthy treat. Built Bar is the delicious, delicious Christmas and holiday season treat. So get them 15% off using the code LOCKED15 at built.com. And when you go there, just tell them how off the rails this ad read was. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. All right. The third game. Was it a game? It was something. Uh, yeah. This is the NBA record for the biggest win of all time. 152 Memphis, 79 OKC. Shea Gildas-Alexander was out. He was in the concussion protocol. Josh Giddy was out. He had the flu. Derek Favors was also out. He had the flu. They are not a team that is built to withstand losing their best two players in Giddy and Gildas-Alexander. They're just not. Like You, you can't expect um, yeah, them to be good, and that's fine. But there are some horrendous takes going around at the moment about you know, Sam Preston. Some of it is in jest, but some people are actually serious. What a terrible environment for the young guys. How can they possibly do this? They need to send them back to Seattle. Sam Presti needs to be fired. The NBA should penalize them or should fight. People literally said they should fine them because of this performance. And I don't know if people pay, have any concept of anything, really. It, look, it is a horrendous performance. They were shocking. They were actually embarrassingly bad, and it would be horrible to sit through that as players, coaching staff, even management. Like, you love, oh, man, we love the tank. Oh, so, But losing by 70 doesn't improve. It doesn't improve your odds at getting a player in the draft. It doesn't improve your, improve your draft pick at all. It does nothing. You can lose by four. You can lose by 70. This does not change that. This is embarrassing, and they would be hurting a lot. 
There are four teams worse than the Thunder this year. So before you get out there on your pedestal, and I'm looking at you, hot take merchant that has a platform, and those people know who they are. They don't listen to this show, but they can go, kids cover them. They can go fuck themselves. Like, if you have these hot takes about this stuff, where's your energy for the Orlando Magic or the Detroit Pistons, who have been worse than the Thunder each of the last two years? The Thunder in the playoffs in 2020. And I'm not a Thunder fan, so I don't give a shit, but like, just ridiculous takes infuriate me. The Rockets are worse than them. The New Orleans Pelicans are worse than the Thunder. The Thunder beat the Lakers twice this year. So before you get all high and mighty about, oh, penalize them, draft picks, and fine them, and all this sort of shit, understand what you're talking about. In saying that, they were, they were fucking dreadful. Like They were atrociously bad. And you can roast them for having a bad performance in this game. But you also can't come out and go, how can a team without Ja Morant do this? Well, they were also without their only real two NBA starting caliber players. Fire up, Joshy. Lou Dort played 25 minutes. He had 15 points. That looks good until you see he was a minus 53. How that is possible, I have no idea. Inefficient, but you know, overall counting stats are okay. I don't know what there is to really take away from this game. I can take away that Darius Baisley's not an NBA starter. I know that. Trey Mann had 12 points. Ty Jerome had 12 points. They both started together while Jerome had four assists and two steals. And I think you can move on from Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Like, the appeal was there. It's just not really happening, is it? Two points in 24 minutes, and I don't think you're missing out on much. He was 0 of 7 from the field. He'll be better than this, of course, but this was a pretty poor performance. Um, and given everyone out, we actually got some Gabrielle Deck. I could barely recognize my own dick. They also were really shorthanded uh, outside of it. Teo Maladon's in the G League. Aaron Wiggins in the G League. Kenrich Williams was injured. Vic Krejci, if anyone cares there, he was in the G League. Pokyshevsky looks rough. Like their team is terrible. It is really bad. You can't really judge too. I can judge that you know Trey Mann is only going to be a fringe streamer if Shea and Giddy remain out, but that's really all I can judge from this side. Now onto the other side. It's great to see big Jaron Jackson game. 27 points, two steals, two blocks in 20 minutes. Jaron is the 23rd ranked player over the last two weeks. That's obviously sick. Like that that's great. Like it's fantastic. De'Anthony Melton, my man, played 17 minutes in the first half, didn't miss a shot. He was a ludicrous plus 46. 19-6-5 on 80% shooting. This is a guy who I think if he played 30 minutes a night, it's exactly what Alex Crusoe provides for the Bulls. But reading into him getting 30 minutes a night based on this game is tough because in this one, he didn't miss a shot. Desmond Bain missed every shot and Dylan Brooks had three fouls in 11 minutes. So that limited his playing time. So don't read into it that Melton's going to get huge minutes after this. As for Brooks, 11 points in 15 minutes. Um, yeah, like he didn't do anything particularly exciting. Well, well, Bain had two points and two steals in 18 minutes. But again, don't read shit into this game. Um, Sante Aldama, 18 and 10, 28 minutes. Team best plus 50, what was it? Plus 52. That's a couple of games in a row where Sante's looked all right. And Tyus Jones had nine assists, two steals. He is a 12-team league guy if you are looking for assists and steals. But again, this game was over so quickly. And then the bench unit came in and just kept pounding. Really, really good stuff. But this Grizzlies team has been wildly inconsistent. They also haven't lost since Jamarant's been out, interestingly. No updates still on him as to when he is coming back. But um, really, really good to see so many players putting up good numbers. But it, yeah, in terms of the outlook where we move forward from, in terms of judging these players, it is really hard to um, it is really hard to uh, get or, or overlook or look too much into it. I guess is is what I'm trying to say, uh, albeit pretty poorly.
So on to the next game. The Phoenix Suns keep the win streak going against the Detroit Pistons. They win it 114-103. Jeremy Grant, really, really big bulk volume game. 34.6 rebounds, two threes, two steals, and a block. He actually hit his shots okay. Still takes too many fadeaway contested long twos, but got to the line 14 times. Really, really good game from him. The big, the big foul. Big Alf Stewart. Is that you, Mr. Stewart? Well, who the hell else do you think it'd be? Get in here, you pair of flaming galahs. 12 and 14, a block, 86%, 87%, 86%. Someone asked me, like, why do I keep thinking that Stewart's a 12-team league guy? Like this. This is why. Uh, he hasn't done it often enough, but that's two straight games in a row. Make sure he's on a roster. Killian Hayes was solid as well. And I just like that he's getting these minutes. 10 points, two threes, three assists, two blocks. While the depressed penis depressed all of our peni. Eight points, two threes in 31 minutes. Jack Armstrong, can you do your thing for me? Out of here. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He's bad. Like he's just—he's not good at all. Um, he thrived last year in a situation that was set up for him, but now with other players around like Cade, um, he's just not really getting the opportunity, is he? And I want to talk about Cade. I thought he was great again. Nineteen, two, and five—a steal and a block, three threes. But it just brings me to that thing of foul trouble, and it just bothers me so much. He got like three fouls really early, and then had to be pulled out of the game very early on. In the end, he finishes with three... Actually, let me rephrase. He didn't have to be pulled out of the game. He was chosen to be pulled out of the game by his coach. He ended the game with three fouls. This idea... There's two things wrong with this. This idea that coaches have to like take... Like, What were you preserving him for? He could have ended up playing 35 minutes. The Pistons got back into this game. Maybe this game ends up being a lot closer. Maybe the Pistons, Pistons sneak one if Cade plays the 38 minutes that Jeremy Grant did. But because Casey shit himself, he took him out. The other part of it is I just hate the idea that we want to see the best players play in, in competitive games. And the idea that you have to have guys foul out is so archaic to me. It's, it's a rule that doesn't exist in any other sport, right? You can tell me that you get yellow cards in soccer and then you get ejected with your red card, so that's fine. But that's like getting two flagrants or, or two techs or something like that. It's not just, here are, you have 10 fouls to commit and therefore you're done after that. It's not like in football, if you have two pass interference penalties or four pass interference penalties that you get kicked out of the game. Or if you have two holding penalties, you're gone. That's not how it works. In no sport, like if, I'm, if you're playing in the Australian Football League, if you push someone in the back three times, you don't get dragged and oh, you've got to sit out because you've only got two more frees you need to give away. And then in the end, like coaches lean into this by benching their good players. Have penalties. No problem. There's penalties for committing fouls. But considering so many basketball fouls are ticky-tack, maybe 50-50, is it a foul, isn't it a foul? The fact that we penalize people where they can actually be forced out of a game because of these calls, which the next day might be rescinded because it was an incorrect decision, is ridiculous. Have a penalty. When they go over six, make sure every foul is three shots instead of two. Something like that. But having the best players sit out of the game so I can get more minutes of Hamadou Diallo or Corey Joseph doesn't benefit anybody. And you can say, well, don't foul. Don't foul. That's fine. Then that, then that leads to worse defense. As people are, I don't want to commit a foul, so I'm going to pull away defensively. When some of these, again, this is not like a, you absolutely 100% did something wrong on a foul. Sometimes they're bullshit calls all the time. And I think it's just a ridiculous system that we have to have coaches who you've, just die by this mantra of we've got to pull the guy out. Cool. What are you saving for? Nothing. Um, and the idea that we have our best players or, or meaningful players 
have to either get a, disqualified from a game or sit on the bench for extended periods because they committed too many fouls. I think it's a ridiculous notion. Anyway, I thought Cade looked good. Frank Jackson had one assist. That's probably too many for him. While Trey Lyles was shocking, Hamadou Diallo had five points and Corey Joseph. At least his minutes are being reduced here. Three points in 16 minutes. Now, I've been critical of Dwayne Casey. No shit. Of course I have. But I, I can't complain, apart from benching Cunningham because of the fouls, I can't complain about this rotation too much. The players that needed to play the minutes played the minutes. I still would like Cade to get more shots. But overall, not bad. On to the Suns. Chris Paul, no different booker, remember? 12 assists, 2 steals, 12 points. He was great. Mikhail Bridges played 41 minutes. He had another 4 steals. Remember the complaints? Bridges, where are the steals? When are we getting the steals? Okay, they're coming in gigantic numbers. 18 points, 2 threes, 4 steals. Cam Johnson, he's worth a stream. I wouldn't say he's going to be this good every game, but 19 points with 4 threes. While Cameron Payne had 19 in 21 minutes, he's given a little boost without Booker there too. While Landry Shamet. Not a 12-team league age. You add Payne and Johnson over Shamit. In 14 teams, sure. He had 14 points in 31 minutes for Shamit. While Jay Crowder was on the uh, on the shit side of the sometimes maybe good. Sometimes maybe good. Sometimes maybe shit. Five points in 24 minutes for him. Aiton didn't really do much to change his usage without Booker there, which was something we wanted to watch for today. 17 and 12 in 33 minutes for DeAndre Aiton. All right. Let's do the last game of the night. The Spurs go into Portland and smash them. 114-83. DeJounte Murray, 15-7-13. A great game from him. And Yucca Pertle was also really, really good. 14-9, one steal, four blocks. Pertle was on my buy low show the other day. Hopefully, you were able to get some value there. I think he's a top 100 player as we move forward. He is only 138 this year, but you've got to be aware that punt free throws are a big part of that. I thought Maxim Derek White played all right as well. Only 30 minutes, only 12 points, but seven rebounds, five assists, three threes, one steal, one block. He keeps contributing. He's top 50 over the last two weeks, and he doesn't need big scoring nights to be that valuable in fantasy, and we're seeing that here. Bryn Forbes was didn't play in the first half and then had 18 points in 15 minutes in the second half. Don't read into it. He'll occasionally have these blow-up games, but then go missing. While Keldon Johnson was just like, this is Keldon Johnson. 14-7, and seven, which always looks great when you read the start of a Keldon Johnson box score. And then it's one assist, zero steals, zero blocks, and subpar field goal percentage. Sure, hold him in 12-team leagues, but he's the 148th ranked player this season. Like, that's fine. The scoring is valuable, but I'm not sure what else there is. Devin Vassell returned. We didn't hear an update, but he didn't play at all in the second half. Played only 10 minutes. And I would have to imagine that the injury was a problem once more. I am still holding Vassell, but I would like an update on what the hell happened here. Well, Dougie McDermott had 16 points. He didn't also really play in the second half. Maybe it just was a minutes limit thing for both of those guys. 16 points for McDermott. He's only a deeper league player, though. For the Blazers, there was no Damian Lillard, but Norman Powell returned. Paul Powell? Powell, that's him. He had 16 points in 29 minutes. 23% shooting is horrible, but he's in line for some pretty big usage. And then Anthony Simons replaced Lillard. He went scoreless in his 11 minutes and then hurt his ankle, didn't return. I don't know if he's going to miss time, but it's worth having a look at Dennis Smith Jr. Now, Smith is going to be a terrible shooter, but he contributes. Three rebounds, five assists, two steals. He's a good shot-blocking guard. If you need some defensive stats, say 14 to 16 team leagues, you can go and add him. Benny McLemore, also worth a stream for points and threes in those 14 teams. 11 points with three threes. While McCullum had 16 points, he also almost got the Richie Benno. He had two points, two steals, and three blocks. Actually, you know what? I want to play the sound, so I'm going to count it as two threes, two assists, and two steals for CJ McCollum. Two for two, two, two. Larry Nance also had three steals, but you got to Jack Armstrong him, surely. Get that garbage out of here! And Covington had just 10 points with two threes. His struggles continue. In a 10-team league, he's a drop. I don't mind dropping him in 12. I understand the reluctance to do that. 
Um, but yeah, he's not playing well. And it wasn't a great night from Yusuf Nurkic either. He did have 10 and 7 in 23 minutes. Didn't play particularly well. Before this game, he was top 35 over the last two weeks, but this was not a particularly good game as the Blazers continue to struggle and Chauncey Billups continues to look like a pretty poor coach at this point. The lines of the night, the monstrous does go to Jaron Jackson Jr. After that explosion, explosion? explosion against the Thunder, the waiver wire line of the night is Johnny Concha. I didn't even mention that because it was just so pointless talking about those Grizzlies bench guys, but yeah, he was the waiver wire line of the night. Don't do anything with that. Um, the young gun of the night is Scotland Barnes. And the dud of the night is... I tell a man's not hot. It's Grayson Allen. It would have been Anthony Simons, but I'm not giving it to guys who get injured. Um, so I'm going to give it to Grayson. He is a drop and he's not a 12-team league player, which is what a drop means. A well, The top 10 players for category leagues today at number one, of course, was Jackson. Then Levine, Jeremy Grant, Fred Van Vliet. DeMar DeRozan, Nick Vucevic, Julius Randle, DeJounte Murray, Johnny Conchar, and Scott Barnes. The top 10 players who are under 50% rostered, Concha, Tillman, don't worry about them. Cam Johnson and Campaign, they can be short-term streams. Santi Aldama, don't worry about that. Killian Hayes, probably more 14 team. Dougie McDermott, Bryn Forbes, not really much to see with those guys. Jarrett Culver and Brandon Clark really taking advantage of that blowout against the Thunder. And lastly, we look at points leagues and the top performers there today. Number one was Jeremy Grant, followed by Julius Randle, DeMar DeRozan, DeJounte Murray, Zach Levine, Drew Holiday, Jaron Jackson, Fred Van Vliet, Nick Vucevic, and Jakob Pertl. That will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. We're going to have some bonus shows tomorrow. There's the award show, and stay tuned for something else a little bit special also that will be coming out on your feeds. Just pay attention to that. Um, YouTube, thumb me up, subscribe. You'll never miss one. Hit the notification bell, and you'll never miss these special episodes as well, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.